pray together. Our God, we thank you for all the good gifts you give us. We thank you that we are part of a Christian community in which people can love and be loved, in which people can know and be known, in which people can gather for worship on a cold January night and be reminded of what is most important. God, we are grateful for the brothers and sisters that surround us right here. Some of us came to this place not knowing anybody, and now we have dear, dear friends who are like brothers and sisters to us. We thank you for that. And for those of us who are still longing for that kind of intimacy, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will open our eyes to people who would be good friends for us. And we pray that we will reach out toward people who may be on the margins, who may need compassion and tenderness. As we think about starting a new semester, too, we think about the transfer students that you are sending to us. God, we pray that we will be a welcoming community, that we will not assume that everyone's been here forever and knows their way around. So open our eyes to new students, new staff, new faculty who may be joining us. We will be welcoming and tender toward them. God, we pray for all those in our community who are traveling right now. We thank you that we hear stories of amazing learning and adventure and exposure to your church all over the globe that's happening right now. And God, we know that for many, this experience hasn't been all good. We know that there have been some who've broken bones and some who've been very sick and some who've even needed some hospitalization. And that's alarming enough in your own country, but to be in another country and to have to go through that can be overwhelming. And so we lift up all of our students who are abroad, that you will be their comfort, that you will bring them joy in the midst of trial, that you will remind them through very practical ways that you care for them, body, mind, and soul, and that they can travel the world, but they are never beyond the reach of your care. And so we do pray that you bring everyone back safely. And for those in our community who are ready to go off on a semester abroad, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you go with them, that you prepare them for the adventures ahead, that they will be salt in a spoiling world and light in dark places, that they will represent you and that they will be led by you. Lord, we thank you that we are part of a place that values your world. We thank you that we are part of a, a community that values creation and wants to tend it and care for it. Thank you for Kilowatt and for our, the way in which it prods us into attentiveness. Things from turning the water off when we brush our teeth to turning out the lights when we leave a room to being aware of how we recycle and what we use. And Lord, may this not just be a competition, but they, may this be a spiritual discipline that reminds us that just as you have laid down things for us, we can lay down our indulgence for you. So Lord, thank you for Kilowatt and help us to not just finish it this week, but to carry it into second semester. And God, as we turn to your word tonight, we pray that you will open up this story to us, that this old story, which sometimes seems complicated and sometimes seems irrelevant and sometimes seems far removed from what we're dealing with, 
will seem exactly what we need to hear tonight. Holy Spirit, take this word read and proclaimed and apply it in all the ways it needs to be applied. Let it seep deep within us. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and all God's people say, Amen. You know you're having that kind of a night when you need a special stand for your water. (laughs) Fluids are important. Uh, Page 988, we're looking at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3, page 988 in your Bibles. We're going to read the whole chapter, and you're going to find that if you worship with us on a regular basis, um, you already know one of the verses by heart. That's a little teaser. Let's see which verse it is. 2 Peter 3. This is what he says. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you. In them I am trying to arouse your sincere intention by reminding you that you should remember the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken through your apostles. First of all, you must understand this, that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and indulging their own lusts and saying, where is this promise of his coming? For ever since our ancestors died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Deliberately ignored this fact, that by the word of God, heavens existed long ago and an earth was formed out of water and by means of water, through which the world at that time was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been reserved for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the godless. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as you think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all of these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved and the elements will melt with fire. But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, speaking of this as he does in all his letters. There are some things in them hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you are forewarned, beware that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless and lose your own stability. And then here's the verse you know. 
but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord saying? It's a little confusing, isn't it? There are people who read this chapter of Second Peter, and they say, well, why then will we need to care for creation? Why do we need to bother with all this recycling and the kilowatting and everything else if everything's just going to be destroyed? That doesn't make very much sense. So they look askance at us tasks we take up during this month to be more attentive to how we're using our resources. If everything's just going to be destroyed, what difference does it make? Why do we do this? But is that what Peter is talking about? Well, to figure out what Peter is talking about, we need to understand a little bit more about who this Peter is, who he's writing to, why he's writing. Scholars think that the person who wrote this letter probably wasn't the Apostle Peter the Peter that we know from the Gospels. They think that's because this is a letter that was written later, probably after Peter had died. It was common then to write under the name of someone famous so that your letter would get a little more attention. That could be it. It's most likely written by an early church leader who had taken on Peter as an honorific, as a title to to set up Peter and honor Peter in his ministry. Scholars really aren't sure. But what we do know is that he was a leader in the church. And he was writing to a church that was become increasingly anxious because Jesus hadn't come back yet. And all the people who'd hung out with Jesus, had meals with him, sat around, fished with him, saw him raised from the dead, all those people were starting to die off. The people who had been with him, the 12, the women who were at the cross and the tomb, Even some of the people who'd known them, people who'd been baptized by them, people who'd been converted on the day of Pentecost, this first generation of new believers was starting to die off. And that was giving rise to this false belief. And the false belief was this. Oh, see, this whole Jesus movement, it's really just about your spirit and your soul. And so your body doesn't really matter and tangible things, earth doesn't really matter. It's, it's really just all about your soul, man. It's all about being like spiritual but not really religious. That's, that's the idea. That's what it's about. So it doesn't really matter what you do with your body or the choices that you make. As long as you kind of tend your soul, you're going to be fine. And so this early church leader He comes and he says, hey, heads up. There are going to be people, scoffers, they're going to scoff. A little redundant. (laughs) Scoffers are going to scoff. Hate is going to hate, right? That's (laughs) that's what he's saying. That's the idea. It's like there are going to be people who are going to look for every opportunity to just indulge themselves. Scoffers got to scoff. That's the idea. They're just going to come around. They're going to start telling these bunch of lies. And they're going to say, everything's just gone on as it has since the beginning of time. Nothing's changed. God's not really involved in creation. So just go out and do whatever y'all want to do. Doesn't really matter anyway. So the author of this letter, in a really interesting way, says... Actually, y'all, that's not true. And he talks about the waters of the flood. Did you get that? 
the waters, that deluge, right? Verse 6, through which the world of that time was deluged with water and perished. By the same word, the presence of have reserved for fire. And then he talks about there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, it's tempting to think, oh, that means everything is going to be destroyed, doesn't really matter. But the Greek that he uses isn't neos, which means like brand spanking new, never seen it before kind of new, neos. The Greek word that he uses here is kainos, which is the idea of renewal and restoration. And he uses the example of the flood to say, when the flood happened, God didn't go to the world, and it doesn't start in like Genesis 7 by saying, in the beginning was the heavens and the earth all over again. Doesn't say that. What it does say is that he calls out Noah because he is righteous. He rescues Noah and he renews the world. That's the image. And he says that's what's going to happen again when Jesus comes back. The world isn't going to be destroyed the way we think of destruction, annihilation, completely gone. Like the Death Star. That's not the image. The image is of renewal and that everything that is impure or unrighteous will be washed away. Last time it was with fire. Well, last time it was with water. Peter says next time it will be with fire. The purifying fire image that comes up so often in the prophets, that's what he's talking about. That it's not going to be destroyed. It's going to be renewed. It's going to be purified. Peter says there's a continuity between the earth that we have now and the renewed heavens and the renewed earth. There's a continuity between what happens now and what will happen. So he says, if that's the case, what kind of people should you be? What kind of people should you be? If everything unrighteous and unholy and impure and broken everything that is evil, everything that is the enemy, if all of those things are going to be destroyed, wiped away, purified, who do you want to be? I'm going to go with righteous. Right? There's this acronym that's been floating about. Maybe you've heard it. It's YOLO. You know the YOLO? What does YOLO stand for? You only live once. Now, the implication is you only live once and then you die. (laughs) Right? So it's really YOLO, A-T-Y-D. You only live once and then you die. And people use YOLO as permission giving, right? Oh, you know, got on a plane and flew from Grand Rapids to L.A. just to spend two days with my girlfriend. Cost me $800, but YOLO! Me and my two best friends went out and got tattoos. May regret it someday, but YOLO. (laughs) Right? There's this sense that you only live once. You only go around once. Get it all in, because then you die. It's all over. (laughs) Is that what Peter is saying? The truth is, yeah, right, the answer is no. The truth is, you live once, 
You live forever. You live forever. You all. You all. We live forever. So the things that we do with our bodies matter. Matter matters. Because just as the heavens and the earth will be renewed, so we too will be renewed. That is the promise of resurrection. And resurrection isn't just limited to bodies, it's the whole world, that's the idea. That there will be this complete restoration that happens. So those of us who are still alive and awake when Jesus returns don't have some distinct advantage over people who have already died because they will be resurrected. And we know from Jesus' own resurrection that we will be able to recognize them, that we will know them, that they will be identifiable, that they won't be destroyed, that they are resurrected. And that's the idea of the new heavens and the new earth that it is a resurrection, a restoration, a renewal of what God has already begun. And so Peter says, if this is true, that you only live forever, then what kind of people are you to be? Righteous people, holy people, people who are not going to get purified up. You want to live a holy and righteous life, he says, because in so doing, you are advancing the kingdom of God. theology professor that I had in seminary said to us one day, what if the urban renewal programs that we begin now, that when Jesus comes back, those aren't set aside or abandoned or not needed anymore, but that those are put on like turbo fast forward. Imagine that. Imagine if the research being done right now to cure cancer isn't set aside, isn't shelved when Jesus comes back, but when he comes back, it's whoosh, put on fast forward toward restoration. What if the work that we do to clean up Plaster Creek, which is like the most Christian reformed watershed in the world, <laughs> and also toxic, what if the work that we do to clean up Plaster Creek when Jesus comes back is just whoosh, advanced because the things that we do that are righteous will last into the new heavens and the new earth. The things that we do that are holy will last into the new heavens and the new earth. We get to be the advance guard for the return of Jesus Christ. How cool is that? It is so easy to, to get discouraged. You know, we, we see images of war. We see images of trash heaps. We've seen some images in worship of lakes and rivers just, just stuck up with trash. We see people around here who just, you know, don't really care about Kilowatt, don't really care about creation. We see people in our own lives who are just turning away from faith and don't think that it matters. And it can be so easy to be discouraged think, is this real? Is this legit? And Peter is saying here in 2 Peter 3, hey, here's the good news. 
every righteous and holy thing that we do is advanced into the kingdom of God and will last beyond what we can ask or imagine. So as you think about how you want to spend your one and only life that will last forever, what kind of people do you want to be? Do you want to be people who are discouraged when things aren't changing as quickly as you would like them to change? Do you want to be people who say, ah, it doesn't really matter? Do you want to be people who say, YOLO, then you die? Or do you want to be people who are saying, my Jesus is coming back and we are getting this place cleaned up for him? We're going to get something started and he's going to come back and be like, that's awesome. And we'll be like, yeah, yeah. So as you think about your profession, your career, when you think about being a journalist, being a nurse, being a teacher, being a parent, being a spouse, being a deeply intimate friend, when you think about these things that Jesus calls us to be, think of all of them as what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of change do I want to make in my friendships, in my relationships, in my classes, in my dorms, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my state, in my country, in my world, so that when Jesus comes back, he says, oh, that's so great. Watch this. Here we go. Help me. Ready? Go. Ready? And all that is righteous will last. That's the promise of 2 Peter 3. It's not to get discouraged. It's not to imagine that nothing matters. It's instead to stand with the God of creation, who through the power of his Holy Spirit is right now equipping you to do exactly what needs to be done in this world to make it ready for the return of Christ. He is getting us ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And so he is rooting out in us all that is unrighteous, all that is unholy, all that turns us away from the kingdom of God. And he is instead persistent, tireless, and raising up in us people who are the advanced forces of the kingdom of God. This it was, it is what it means to live as people who die and rise again and again. This is what it means to be people who love the creation because we love the creator. This is what it means to be, in a term you all know, agents of renewal. That is the best job out there. And you all have it. God has placed a call on your life, and it's going to be exhibited in lots of different ways. You're all going to get jobs. That's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. You're all going to get gainfully employed doing different things. It may not be the thing you initially want, but it's right where God needs you to be. He's got some renewal project he wants you to engage in. And you may think, I don't want to be an administrative assistant. I don't really want to work at Starbucks. But if that's where God places you, he's got you there to be an agent of renewal right there in that place, in that classroom, 
in that cubicle, wherever it is. And it starts with how you're living right now, in your dorm room, in your house, in your apartment, with people you sometimes love and people who drive you crazy. It's all about how do we live out the advancing forces of the kingdom of God. How do we live out righteousness? How do we live out holiness? How do we live in such a way so when our Jesus comes back, he gets to go. And the righteous things that we have begun, we will see fulfilled. This is what your God invites you to do. This is who your God invites us to be. Will you pray with me? God, how grateful we are that we don't only live once and then die. How grateful we are that this creation, the beauty of your hands, will last and be renewed in ways that we can't even ask or imagine. How grateful we are that your son, Jesus Christ, will return and all that is righteous will be fulfilled. All that is righteous will be seen and prospered that our eyes will be open to things that we can't even imagine right now. We long for that day. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will equip us and enable us and empower us to live that way right now, to live as agents of renewal, right here in Loft, as we walk out, as we're with our friends. Lord, to help us to live lives of righteousness and holiness, to be the advance forces of the kingdom of God. Come, Lord Jesus. Our world belongs to you. Amen.